0: Grace and peace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. What a joy to be with you, brothers and sisters. On behalf of the Biblical Seminary of the Philippines, our faculty, our staff, our students, allow me to extend our warmest greetings to the UECP family. Oh, brothers and sisters, oh, how we miss you. How we love to shake your hand, give you a hug uh but i unfortunately not yet at this moment it is our prayer it is our desire that that will happen soon and very soon in the meantime we think of each other we pray for each other we encourage each other in the best way that is possible just like you brothers and sisters bsop went through and continue to experience Many changes and adjustments at this time. But I'm excited to share with you that God is doing wonderful work in our midst. During this pandemic, we are seeing many people committing themselves to live for Christ at this time. In fact, many wanted to grow, many wanted to learn how they can serve the Lord Jesus better and more relevant during our time. For them, the question is not, where is God? They know the Lord is with us. Rather, the question is, what is God doing? And more importantly, how can we join Him in what He is doing in our midst? I'm happy to share with you that two weeks ago, BSOP has started our new school year. Yes, we have begun and we are continuing God's work. Along with our returning students who are excited to uh, begin the new year, we have many new students who, are, who have signed up for our hybrid online program. So thank you so much, brothers and sisters at UACP, for your continued prayer and continued partnership in what God is doing in our time, in our, in our world today. As we come to God's Word, would you turn your Scriptures with me to the passage that we're going to study in John chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 1 to 8. Would you turn your Bibles with me? We will read it. John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. Allow me to read it as you follow along. John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. The Lord Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Verse four, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Verse 8, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove yourselves to be my disciples. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth the meditation of our hearts. Let it be pleasing in your sight, O God. Speak, Lord, for your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Lord, speak, for we, your people, are listening. These we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This week I read a wonderful story of four friends who decided to go mountain climbing. In the middle of the climb, one of them slipped over a cliff, dropped 20 meters down, landing with a thud on the ledge below. As soon as that happened, the other three companions, hoping to rescue their friend, yelled, Joe, Joe, are you all right? To which he answered, I'm okay, but I think I broke both my arms. And their friends cried out to him, Stay there. We'll toss a rope down to you and pull you up. Just wait for us, said the three. To which Joe replied, Okay. And a couple of minutes afterwards, they drop a rope to Joe. And soon afterwards, starting to tug and work together and try to pull their wounded companion to safety. But halfway to halfway through it, they suddenly remembered what Joe said that he had broken both his arms. And then upon that, they quickly asked, Joe, Joe, if you have broken your arms, how are you holding on? To which Joe responded, With my teeth. I'm holding on with my teeth. <laughs> oh, whenever I think of that story, not, can, not only do I chuckle, but it just kind of shows. The determination, the do whatever you can mentality and attitude just to be safe and to get out of danger. Just hold on. Whatever you do, however it takes, whatever it takes, just don't let go. That's good advice, isn't it? Especially during our difficult times. Do you know that that's also our Lord's command? To his disciples, to all those who follow him, this is the message here in John chapter fifteen. Believe it or not, the passage we just read. If you don't know, um, this passage is part of what we call the Upper Room discourse. These are messages, instructions given by our Lord Jesus on the at the upper room, the place where they had the Lord's supper, the place uh, before they gathered before Jesus will be later on betrayed and then be crucified and died. It is in the upper room discourse that our Lord Jesus gave His final instruction to His disciples before He goes to the cross. Here, our Lord Jesus taught them how they're supposed to live, how they're supposed to labor when He goes away and is no longer with them. This morning, we're just going to look at eight verses from John chapter 15. Jesus taught His disciples to abide in Him. What does that mean, to abide in Christ? Well, can I simply put it in two paraphrases of what it means to abide? Number one, hang on to Him. Hang on to Jesus. That's the first thing. That's what it means to abide. And secondly, it's a corollary, it's actually an expansion of it, but it's a good instruction nonetheless. Not only do you hang on to Jesus, don't let go. Don't let go. That's what it means to abide. So with our time remaining, allow me to expound on it, what it means to abide in Christ. First of all, to abide in Christ means to hold on to Him. Hold on to Him. Would you look with me again in verse 1 of John chapter 15. The Lord Jesus says, I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Here in these three verses, our Lord Jesus introduced the imagery of the vine to show a relationship with Him. You know, many of us city folks don't really understand or really appreciate what a vine is. A vine is simply a plant, a climbing plant. Normally, we see a plant growing from the ground up with their with their stalk and and branches and breaks off into branches. Not so the vine. The vine is a climbing plant, and it, as you see it, it, it 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 grows and it it branches off into different branches, you know, crawling all over either a wall or a fence or whatever it is. That's the vine, and and with it, from the branches, would give rise to the fruit. In this case, grapes. It's a wonderful metaphor. And many times as you watch a vine, you, 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 you see the branches, but you don't see the actual plant itself. It's kind of covered up. And sometimes you will mistake the branches for the main plant itself, not so. But you need to understand there is a main plant behind those branches, and that vine, that main plant is so crucial. Without it, the branches are of no use. Jesus is telling his disciples, don't forget You are just branches. Don't forget the main plant behind the branches. You may not see it. You may not fully appreciate it, but it's there and it's important. And you know who that that main plant is, that vine? It's me, said the Lord Jesus. Notice Jesus says, I am the true vine. Not just the vine or any vine. I am the true vine. You know, why would Jesus say something like that? Well, if you've been studying the book of John, you know there are several I am statements our Lord had given. Actually, there are seven of them. And in this case, I believe this is number six. Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. He's saying, you know what? Compared to anything, I am. I am the, the, the key element, the key center that you should be in your life. It is emphatic. I am and I am the only one. That's what Jesus is saying here. He is the centerpiece of God's redemptive plan. You don't need to, to look at anywhere else. In fact, you should not look anywhere else for God's redemption. A verse that we're more familiar with is John fourteen six, where our Lord Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And to underscore the significance of that, he said, no one goes to the Father except through me. And in the same way here in John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus, I am the true vine. If the branches want to live, if the branches want to bear fruit, they need to stay in the vine. There's no way around it. To live, to exist, to bear fruit, you better hang on to me. That's what our Lord Jesus is saying. You know, I love the story of a little mouse who was crossing a bridge over a very deep ravine. And this little mouse was crossing the bridge together with an elephant. Now, again, this is just a fable. Don't ask me how the two can go at the same time. But it's a wonderful story how this little mouse was crossing the bridge along with his companion, an elephant. And as they crossed the bridge, obviously the bridge started to shake under the weight of those crossing the bridge, the mouse and the elephant. And as they went to the other side, the mouse is overheard to say these words. Looking at his big companion, he said, boy, we really shook that bridge, didn't we? (laughs) I love that. We shook that bridge good, didn't we? You know, how often do we feel that way as we walk with our Lord? Like the little mouse, we were impressed by the, the impact, the effect that resulted. But we need to remember it is not our strength it is not the strength of the little mouse the weight of the little mouse if truth were known and it is it was really the impact of the elephant brothers and sisters so much with so much so that after we cross through difficult times in our life as we are today sometimes if we we may be tempted to say boy <laughs> boy i weathered through that hard situation didn't i or boy i uh i did this i did that and we forget that through it it was god who enabled it was god who shook the place up so to speak and not us but we are thankful that we are with the lord through it all so we must not lose sight of the true source of spiritual power, the true source of enabling work for us not just to exist, but to do what we ought to do in this life. For our lives to be fruitful, for our lives to be productive, for our lives to be God-honoring, it has to be because Christ was with us. And it was through Christ alone that made this all possible. It's because we hold on to him. But you know, Jesus went on to say for those who hang on to him, for those who are connected to him, there's something that's very important that the Father, the, the vine dresser, the gardener, so to speak, does to that branch. Jesus in verse 2 said, Those who uh, are part of him, the Father prunes. The father prunes. Now, for, again, for us city folks, we are not familiar with some of these gardening or these uh, agricultural terms. What is pruning? Pruning is an important work done in which the gardener or the, the farmer, what they will do is they will cut, make cut. Essentially, that's what pruning is cutting through the branches, cutting through dead, withering leaves or maybe branches that are kind of uh, 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 too extended and somehow pruning is cleaning, clearing, and even controlling and correcting different aspects of the branches so that the branches will be even more fruitful and productive. It is to make the, the branches to be in its best form peak for peak performance. Pruning in effect, is to shorten the branch, keep it into its essentials so that it will fill the space so that fruits can, be, can bear more and even more fruitful than what it, can, what it can be at the time. It is cutting down some, some clusters, flower clusters that, that may be misshapen, that will result to poor uh, fruit but eliminating it allows other type of clusters to come up. I remember talking to a gardener once who said that sometimes the act pruning can eliminate 75 to 90% of the branch. I don't know if you've seen a a field that has just been pruned. It's uh, in Tagalog, parang kinalbo, you know? It's totally cleaned up, and you would wonder, how can anything come out of this? But a good vine dresser, a good gardener, know what he is doing. He's not trying to kill the plant. He's not trying to hurt the plant. But he's trying to enable the plant to be at its best when it grows. So this is and no pruning. If you refuse to prune or if the branches refuse to be pruned, it will either yield less or it will have improper ripening of its fruit, so it must be done. That, the Lord Jesus said, is what the Father does to those branches that remain in Him. The Father will cut. The Father will remove things that are not important. The Father will remove things that we think are important, but the Father would say, no, it's not essential. And the result of that is so that there will be fruit that will come out To prune the branches is to clean. Is there things in your life that needs to be removed, to be cleaned out of your life? To prune the branches is to clear clutter. Brothers and sisters, are your life cluttered by many unnecessary, unimportant things? To prune is also to control so that the important things are left. And unessentials will be removed. Do you need to have some boundaries placed in your life? And to prune is also to correct. Are there things that need to be changed, to be corrected in your life? Brothers and sisters, I know this is a sensitive issue, but in this pandemic, if you may, it may not be directly, but I would imagine whatever circumstance in our life, that our Father allowed us to go through. We may think, we may see it as part of His pruning process. In my life, myself, there are things that I need to be cleaned up, to be, to be, to be, uh, uh, to be removed and to be corrected. And God has placed me and all of us in that situation. It is when we allow the Father to do His work, it is Unavoidable. Yes, it hurts. It's not pleasant, but it is essential. God knows what He is doing. This week, I read a book, a wonderful book entitled Everything Happens for a Reason with a subtitle, And Other Lies That I Loved. (laughs) You have to read the book to figure out uh, uh, what, what, this is all, what it's all about. It was written by Dr. Kate Bowler. Dr. Kate Bowler is Associate Professor of Christian History in North America, at Duke Divinity School. Kate Bowler is also suffering with terminal cancer. And in this book, basically she wrote how she is managing through that condition And at the same time, she shares her reflection on her relationship with God, especially after major cancer surgery. Kate Bowler said, of course, she wanted to live a long life. Who doesn't? She has a husband. She has a son. But through that circumstance that she is in, she discovered what she called a gift. And that experience made her realize the fragility, the how fragile life is, not just for her, but for everyone. And that realization enabled her to connect with the pain of other people. Let me just quote with you a section from this book that really touched my heart. Listen to Kate Bowler's own words. She said, It's like you notice that tired mom in the grocery store who is struggling to get that thing off the top shelf while her child is screaming, you know, at the same time. And at the same time, you notice how tired that person looks at the bus stop. And then, of course, all the people in the cancer clinic around me. That felt like I was cracked open. I was opened up. And for the first time, I could see everything Really clearly for the first time. And to my surprise, I find myself not angry at all. Now, I've been pretty angry at times, but not now. But now, as I felt God's presence, it was like I know intellectually. It was not like I know intellectually about God. Instead, it was more like I felt a friend. Or, like someone holding on to me. I just didn't feel quite as scared anymore because I felt loved by God. Brothers and sisters, when I read that, I said, That's how I feel when I'm near the Lord Jesus. Yes, I might be pruned. Yes, I might be, God might be doing something in me that might not be pleasant. But you know what? I'm not scared. I'm not worried because the Father knows what He's doing. I am abiding in Christ. I'm hanging on to Him. That's what it means to abide in Christ. But there's a corollary. There's a secondary principle to abiding in Christ. And that is, don't let go of Him. Abide means to hang on to Him. And whatever you do, don't let go. What do I mean? I mean, isn't it the same thing? In a way, it is. But would you continue on verse 8 with me? Let's, let me read it again to you. And this time, I want you to note the many times the word abide appear in, the, in, section, in this passage. Starting in verse 4. Verse 4 said, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. Verse 5 I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown in the fire, and burned. Verse 7 If you abide in me, and my words abide in me in you. Uh, whatever you wish, it will be done for you. And verse eight: By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. You know, I don't know about you. First time I read John fifteen here, you know in Tagalog, parang sirang plaka. Abide, abide, abide. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we get it, we get it. But I, you need to understand. <laughs> When in the Bible, something is repeated again and again, as with maybe your parents or person of authority, what are they trying to say? This is important. That's why they're saying it so many times. Whatever you do, don't forget. What's the key word? Abide. Now, perhaps some of you are not counting, but in these eight verses, the word abide happened seven times. Okay? In fact, in the whole chapter 15, it appeared 10 times. In fact, it's just so much. Whatever you do, don't let go. The word abide here is the Greek word meno. Meno. It Well, it it means abide. It is translated to, to the word remain or to stay. You know, don't go anywhere, just to be at that place. It's also translated to continue. Okay. okay? Don't get left behind is another way of, of or, or, or don't, yeah, don't get left behind. And, and the word abide here is, note, it's in what we call imperative form, meaning it's a command. It is not a suggestion, it is not a, uh, a proposal, it is a command, a charge, it is necessary. It is not something that you can bargain or negotiate, and definitely not something to be neglected. And it is also something that is, should be ongoing. In other words, to abide is not just a one-time thing that you do. It is something that you continue to do, to continue to abide in Christ. Check yourself regularly, constantly. Am I still with Christ? Or have I left him? Or Christ have already moved on and I have not joined him. Abide in Christ. You know, that's what abide here is all about. Jesus said we must abide in him as he abides in us. Someone puts it this way. Just like the bird is in the air and the air is in the bird, just as water, just as the fish is in the water and the water is in the fish, in that way, we must abide in Christ as He abides in us. The reason why we must remember that we are just branches, that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches so that we don't lose sight of, of, of the, that, that the vine is actually the one producing the fruit, not us. The true vine is the one that actually enables life to be what it is. And all the branches need to do it's just to hold on to the vine and not let go. But how do we exactly abide in Christ? I mean, so far, we get the idea. Well, the Lord gave us some good, and this is by no way the only thing that we need to take, that how we abide in Him. But this is a good start. Three verses within John 15 to help us. In verse 7 of John 15, Jesus said, If you abide in Me and My words abide in you whatever you wish it will be done to you we must abide in his word brothers and sisters how much do we sit and listen to the word of god through the scripture how often how much do we let his word abide in us no wonder some of you uh wonder well what what do i do what what, what am i supposed to uh, how do i figure this out Because we have not been listening to the Lord. We have not been inquiring of His Word. But if we abide in Christ, He will speak to us through His Word. In in verse 9, the Lord Jesus went on to say, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. We must abide in His love. For me, this speaks of our affection. You know, how much, you know, I tell people, I ask people, how how much do you do you miss the Lord during this lockdown? You know, as you miss maybe family members or friends because you couldn't get together. Yeah, you know, so I really miss God. I miss coming to church. I miss going to Christian Fellowship. That's why I miss God. And I would say, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're saying that God is can only be found in a place. So you're saying that God is only can be accessed in a event, and that's about it. But that's not how God is. God is not stuck in one place. God is not stuck only if you join an event or not. He, you could readily come to him. He loves you. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door of your life and I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. <laughs> Jesus is ready to engage you, to fellowship with you because he loves you and me. All we need to do is invite him in. He loves us. Do you love Jesus the same way? Abide in his love. And finally, in verse 15 of John 15, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Abide in his joy. What gives you fulfillment? What gives you satisfaction? What gives you contentment? You know, in our time of of this pandemic, we can do a lot of thinking, a lot of evaluation. Oh, I wish I could go here. I wish I could do that. That is what gives us joy. Is Jesus what gives you joy in your ultimate joy and fulfillment in life. Well, He wants us to abide in His joy. What brings joy to God is the one that brings you joy. You know, you would think that all of us would have this all together you know that somehow yes i i'm abiding in christ but but there is a problem that many of us suffer it's called the true vine wannabe syndrome perhaps many of you have not heard of it but it's uh many of us would rather be divine you know we don't like to g- just be branches we like to be divine we want to be the center of it all you know i'm intelligent I am healthy, I am strong, I have connection, I have education. Somehow we think we are divine. But again, Jesus reminds us, no, 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 you are just branches. And he who, uh, and whoever abides in me, are, and, and that, that person will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It means that if we're going to live fruitful lives, we must stop trying to be divine and stop trying to be the gardener. We must remember that we are simply branches and we are connected and dependent on the Lord Jesus. To abide in Christ means to hang on to Him. To abide in Christ means whatever it is, don't let go of Him. You know, I've been reading the life of a, an American educator this, this week. His name is Frank Lawback. Unless you are in education, most likely you may not have heard of him. But Frank Lobach is well-known in the field of education because he was the first person who developed a worldwide literacy program. It is called Each One, Teach One. Each One, Teach One. And he developed this in the 1950s. And believe it or not, that program that he developed is still being used today. Being used today to, ed- to, to help 100 million people read for the first time in their own language. Amazing contribution to humanity. Each one teach one by Frank Lobach. A great contribution. And many of us might have, if you've known him, you might have known him for this. But how many, and many don't know, that it all began? This all started when Frank Lobach. Was serving as a missionary here in the Philippines some 40 years ago. You see, Frank Lobach was a missionary among the Maranao people in Mindanao here in the Philippines. And as he was sharing the gospel, he saw how illiteracy, the lack of ability to read, is, is causing them, you know, not to understand, not being able to read the Word of God. So he said something must be done, and he developed this educational program called Each One Teach One from that experience. He was deeply concerned with the illiteracy among those whom he's sharing the gospel. Now, we could stop there and say, wow, what a great guy, what a what great contribution. But Frank Loback would not want you to think of him for what he had done. What he wants you to think of him is his relationship with Jesus. You know, you see, the important thing is not what he'd done, but his relationship with Christ. I want to read for you some quotes from his book, Prayer, The Mightiest Force in the World. Here, Frank Lobach shared that all of his work, including the literacy program that he developed, began when he practiced abiding constantly in the presence of Christ. You know, listen to these words that he— that his Every day that he wakes up, this is his commitment. He said he would ask without ceasing, Father, what do you desire to be said? Every day he wakes up, the first question that comes to his mind is, Father, what do you desire to be done? That's his life. You know, that's, it's, it's close contact with the Father. And he believed this is exactly what believers should do as they live their life. And I want you to listen to another quote, you know, um, of what it means to abide with Christ. He said, the privilege of fellowship with God is infinitely more than anything else. I'm sorry. is just the privilege of fellowship with God is infinitely more than anything God could give. Because God gives Himself. He is giving more than anything else in the universe. Somehow, Frank Lobach says, "Whenever I'm near Christ, and whenever Christ gives himself to me, guess what? I'm the richest man in the world. I'm the happiest man in the world. I'm the most contented person in the world. Why? Because God is giving himself to me." What more can I ask? What more should I ask? I have everything because I have God." And allow me to close, you know, with this you know, this uh, quote from. Frank Loback, all oh, this thing in keeping in constant touch with God, of making him the object of my thought, the companion of my conversation. It is the most amazing thing that I ever ran across. Abiding in Christ is the most amazing thing in his life. I wonder if you can say the same thing. So, hold on to Christ. And whatever you do, don't let go of Him. Good advice? I certainly think so. Important advice, important charge for our time? I think so. Brothers and sisters, who are you holding on? What are you holding on? Brothers and sisters, what are you doing to keep holding on and not letting go of the Lord? That's what it is to abide in Him. May we in our own personal life, and as we continue to minister with our brothers and sisters, help each other to do just that. Let us pray. Our Father, thank you for your presence. You said if we draw near to you, if we seek you, if we reach out to you, you promise that you will be near us. You will reach out to us. And if we seek you with all our heart, we will be, you will be found by us. Such is your love. Such is your grace. Such is your wonderful blessing for each one of us. The gift of yourself to us. So that we may draw from your life. So we may draw from your truth. So that we may draw from your blessing. That we may live our life with purpose and would glorify you. I pray, O God, as we are charged to abide in you, Lord, if there's any one of us who feels so far away from you, who feel disconnected, who feel that we are are holding on to anything except you, bring us back to yourself, O God. And if we know someone who is far away from you, may we also introduce Christ to that person and draw him to yourself so that we may find our life and our joy in you. Would you bless our church? Would you bless our brothers and sisters to that end? For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.